we're getting ready to start the most favorite series I ever do. I do it every year in January, and we are going to really talk about these four words behind me. Every January, we go over our vision because this is all that we're called to do. This is it. As a church, God has called us to these four words, and we need to take that call serious. We need to take whatever God says to us, and we need to walk in obedience. And that's a strong, it's a strong thing to think that when God says something to you, there's a reason why he's telling you. And we need to remember, there's a reason why God has called us to these four words. I'll never forget, before we even started the church, when I woke up at, four, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and the Lord spoke these four words. And I knew, I knew the Lord had just given us direction. We didn't even know we were going to plant a church at the time. We just knew God was doing something in our life, and we were in a place of just waiting on him to show us what it was. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, and if you know me, I am not alert at 3 o'clock in the morning. I can't even remember what anyone says to me at 3 o'clock. But those four words jumped out at me, and I quickly typed them on my computer. And I felt like the Lord said, that's what I've called you to do, to embrace, encourage, equip, and empower people. Then he began to unfold the whole plan of, of beginning Thrive Worship Center and how it all started. And he did amazing at that. God has done amazing to build his church. The only church that the gates of hell don't prevail are the one that God builds. If we try to build it, we're in trouble. But if we let God build the church, we're going to be fine. We're going to last even through difficult times. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens in our country, we will, we will make it. Because the Lord builds his church and it'll stay and it'll be strong. But he called us to these four things. And, and every year we go over, but I think we have to be reminded every year of what does it mean to fully embrace people. And real quickly, let me just take you through this quick process. Think about before you knew Jesus, before you knew the Lord. And if you're here today and you do not know the Lord, then I, I, I hope and pray that the Lord speaks to you today, that you'll open your life to him. But here's, here's, what, here's what this process means. When people walk into this church or into your life, because this isn't just about these four walls, when people walk into your life or walk into this church, the very first thing that we're supposed to do is embrace them before we do anything else. Because you can't move to the second one if you don't do the first one. If you don't show people love right where they are, they will never give you the opportunity to speak into their life. And sometimes we get so quick to just want to, oh, ooh, look at them. Oh, you can tell they're, they're not good people. They're, they're difficult. Oh, that, they got stuff going on. You know, that's not what God's called us to do. He did not call us, he did not call us to reach healthy people. If, as long as you're healthy, you can come here. No, you know what? Anybody that walks in these doors, we're called to embrace. Anybody. Doesn't matter what they do, what their lifestyle's like, what they believe, what they look like. Doesn't matter. We embrace them. Knowing that as we do that, the Lord will help us to begin to encourage them. And then as we encourage them in some things of the, of the word, and as they grow, then we can equip them with the tools that they need and, and give them the word and let them grow and develop, give them the tools they need to make changes in their life or do whatever God wants them to do. And then we empower them to go out and live it. And people, once they feel empowered, you know what they do? They go out and they embrace people and they encourage people. They equip and they empower people. So this is the cycle, but we have to start with embrace. That's where it all starts. It's that order. 
And just so you know, I say this sometimes just as a reminder. I did have someone with a right heart one time come to me after church, and they were like, I have another E. I have another E for the board. And I just let them know nicely, those are God's E's. Um, We're not adding to it, and we're not taking away from it. This church is going to be a church that stays true to what God has called us to do. Even when there might be trends and and different things that go, oh, this would be a great idea. If it doesn't line up with this, it's not for us. We're going to stay true to what God's called us. You ready? All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. We're going to read a passage here, and then we're going to talk through a little bit of what it means to embrace. In verse 11, it says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all of his belongings and moved to a distant land where he wasted all of his money in wild living. About that time, his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Verse 17, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I'm dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love. If you underline your Bible, underline that. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but he's now found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you you, and never once refused to do a single thing you told me. And all the time that you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fatted calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by my side and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead, has come back to life. He was lost and now he's found. So this is a familiar passage to a lot of us. We're talking about the parable of the lost son. But I want you to see in this, there's three types of people in this. Okay, you have someone who needed to be embraced, the son. The younger son needed to be embraced. Why? He went out. He did what he shouldn't have done. He asked for his father's inheritance early. He went out, and he blew it on wild, crazy living. Not honoring his father, not honoring what was right, not caring about what was right, but just gratifying his own flesh. It was all he was doing. 
And he went out and he spent all, all of the money, and he just he messed up his life in that season. He just, was, he just went the wrong direction. He needed to be embraced. He was struggling. He, yes, was he wrong? He was wrong. Then you have this place where in this passage where he starts to come home when he finally realizes, you know what? This hadn't satisfied anything. I'm worse off now than I was before. And he comes back, and he comes back with this attitude that I'm not good enough. <clears throat> he comes back with this attitude that, you know what? I'm no longer even worthy to be his son. And he comes back, and I, I can only imagine him coming back knowing that I'm not even worthy to be his son. Maybe I can just be a servant. And he's coming back with his head, head, head down, and his father is on the porch. And when his father sees him, he runs to him. I mean, imagine that. Imagine what typically our human nature would do. Typically, our human nature would probably be on the porch saying, mm-hmm, yep, look at you now. That was your, it's your fault. It's not my fault you struggling like that. That was your choice. You make your bed, lay in it. Right? Sometimes we would have that. And I'm not saying all of us would be that direct about it, but sometimes we realize, hey, that's, that's your decision. And there's some truth in that. I'm not saying it's not true. They, he didn't make the decision. But the father was not concerned about all the stuff that he did. The father saw his son coming back. And he ran to him. And he embraced him. Knowing that he had just spent all of his father's money. He had just wasted everything his father had worked hard for. And his father went and embraced him. So in the story, you have the son who, who needs to be embraced. You have the father who embraces people. And then you have the older son who now he's not embracing anybody. He's mad. He's angry. He's upset. He doesn't feel like it's fair. He even makes comments like, um, Father, I've never, I've done everything you've ever said. How many of you have children? Has anyone have a child that has done everything you've ever said? I mean, does anyone have the perfect child besides my parents? Does anyone, just kidding. Does anybody, no one does. No one has a perfect child. Here this guy is, look, thinking he is so much better. And comparing himself and then saying, you know, you've never done this for me. You've never done this for me. And he struggled to embrace his brother who was gone, who was lost, and now has come home. Think about that in, in, in our situation here as the church. For people who are hurting and people who are in a life that's just not fulfilling, and they realize, you know what, this isn't it. And they walk into these doors. You know what they're looking for? They're looking for something different. They're looking for something that would satisfy. And we have to be very careful, very careful, that we don't look at all of the stuff that we think is going on with them or that we see in their life. And be able to say the fact that they're coming. Let me tell you why we're going to see people like that. And I'm just going to be honest with you. We have a world full of people. We could have drug dealers. We could have drug addicts. 
We could have uh, prostitutes. We could have homosexuals. We could have, we could have, you know, mean, crazy, psycho people that walk in these doors. And you know what? They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And God is calling us. He's asking us. He's saying, this is why I've called you to this. Because I believe there's, that overall the church, and we'll get to this in a minute, but the church has struggled with this. Sometimes the church can be the most judgmental people. And it's not, it's not, it's not who God's called us to be. If we do this, guess what? It's because God knows people who are hurting and are living lifestyles that aren't fulfilling, and he wants them to grow and to change, but he's got to find a place where they'll show up and they can at least be loved when they first get there and not looked down on or disrespected or, or, or labeled and pushed away because they don't live the life you do. We got to embrace them before we can help them. Now, embracing doesn't mean we agree. It doesn't mean that we're okay with it. It just means that right now that's not the focus. The focus is on loving you. And our goal and our call is to love you and love you so much that we can help you and encourage you. Because once you feel loved, you're going to open up a little bit and allow people to speak into your life that you know care about you. And then they can encourage you to say, hey, what you're looking for, it's not there. Let me encourage you to look this way. And then equip them and empower them. And pretty soon the people that came in here living one way down the road are going to be sitting in these seats loving on people that, that are now where they used to be because they've grown and they've changed and God's did a miraculous change in their life. And it all started with someone just being able to love them. Right? You want to be loved? You, everybody loves to be loved. Remember, this, remember the little song? You love to be loved and you hate to be hated. Like to be liked, at least tolerated. Remember that song? And of course you don't. Well, that was just a special number for you. You're welcome. No, just kidding. All right, let's get back to the word. Get all distracted. Okay, so we look at those people, the kind that need to be embraced, those who embrace and those who struggle. Right now in this room, you're in one of those categories. Right now, you're hurting and you need to be embraced. Or right now, you are, em you are embracing people around you that you know are struggling. Or right now, you're so focused on what's going on with you that you have a hard time even embracing people. <clears throat> and we're going we're gonna to look at that. And we're going to talk about how, how, how do we embrace. Now, there's a lot of scriptures here on how we embrace you know, because let me just tell you this real quick. Sometimes when we have step one, step two, step three, step four, how do we embrace? There's really only one way you could embrace people. You've got to be connected to God. Because hu humanly, we, human love doesn't look past people's faults. Human love changes. God's love, agape love, that's solid. That's unconditional. I mean, you think about it. You said you love things that you don't love anymore. I used to say I love exercising. <laughs> when I was younger, I loved to run. I loved to play. 
I love to be out on the ball field. Now, I pay for it for weeks if I go out there and run. You know what helps me run? How many of you trying to get in better shape? Let me help you. I'm going to tell you what, run. Run outside when people are watching. You'll be surprised. Every time my car comes, I have all this energy. And then when they pass, I'm like, ooh. When the car's coming, I'm like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Got push, right? That was off the subject. But anyway, we, sometimes we have all these things that we have to do. If we could do this, we could do this. I need to do this. But let me tell you this, the secret, the key for you to embrace people is you got to know God's love for you. That's it. If you know that, guess what? It'll manifest. You know what? They call it in Galatians 5.22 because of the Spirit of God in you. It's fruit. Fruit happens because of what's planted. If you plant something of the Lord, you're going to reproduce that kind of fruit. If you have the Spirit of God in your life, you will produce the fruit of the Spirit if you allow that seed to manifest. That's why we say the incorruptible seed that we get every day. This should produce stuff in your life that you shouldn't have to strain for. We have to know God's love. Let's look at these scriptures. Look at John 3.16. Very familiar. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. God showed his love for me and you. Romans 5 says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you know what Jesus modeled for us? That he went first. He loved us first before we ever decided to do anything right, to give our lives to him, to do anything. That while we were in the midst of our junk and our sin, Christ died for us. You know what that says? That says the way we should love people is like Jesus does. And we need to love people before they ever make any decision to, get, to be perfect or to get right. Love them where they're at, knowing that that's the beginning stages of getting them to the place God wants them. We have to love. Look at this next scripture, John 13, 34 and 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. So let me ask you this. How should you love people? What's your example? Jesus. How many of you ever went to Jesus and he said, oh, hold up, dude. I ain't even living right. How many have ever heard God say, you know, don't talk to me as long as you got that stuff going on? You lied. Not answering that prayer. I ain't here for you. God doesn't do that. He loves you. He's there for you. He loved you before you ever did anything. And when you call on him, he's there. He's there. And he's saying, look, love people the way I've loved you. There's a lot of scriptures that it's all talking about our walk with God. Forgive one another as I have forgiven you. Encourage one another as I have encouraged you. Uh, Corinthians says, comfort one another in the comfort that I've given you. So everything that we're supposed to do to other people starts with what he does in us. Remember it says, um, that, he will, that his, he will do a work in us and then through us. It starts with what he does in us. We have to know God's love. I'm telling you right now, every person in this room, I don't care what you struggled with. I don't care what your week looked like. I don't care how mad you got. I don't care how frustrated you got. I don't care how bad your life was this past week and how many times you messed up. I want you to know that the creator of this world loves the mess out of you. We all got messed, and he'll love the mess out of you. It's a love that doesn't change. 
When you go to God, he says, I love you. God, I messed up, but I still love you. God, I did it again. I keep telling you I'm not, and I did it again, but I still love you. I love you, and my love will help you. My love will strengthen you. Just recognize that you're loved because a lot of the root of a lot of the struggle people have today is because we don't feel love. We do things to try to feel love. We, we, we experiment in things because we want to feel love. We want to try to get value, so we're, we're going to try to fit in with this group so maybe they'll give us some value. We'll try to fit in here so that way maybe they'll make us feel better. Listen, if you don't know God loves you, you're never really going to feel great. Because it all comes down for God's love for you. God loves you. Look at your neighbor and say, God loves you. Now look at him again and say, he loves you too. All right. Look at this next scripture, Proverbs 3, 6. Seek him, seek God and his will and all you do. He'll show you what path to take. You know what? When you're seeking God, he'll, he'll guide you. He'll show you, how do I embrace that person? They frustrate me. How do I embrace them? It's going to take God. When you seek him, he'll show you. Let's keep going. John 3.30, he must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Do you know how you, know how you want to really embrace people and, and you struggle sometimes because you, you struggle looking past what you see on the outside? Guess what? Let God become bigger in you, and you become less. Because the struggle isn't from God's part. The struggle to love people isn't the part of God. It's us. And if God becomes bigger and we become less, we're not insignificant, but we're walking out God's love. And some people that struggle with God's love, they need, we, we get it from the Word, from meditating on the Word, but you know how else we can exemplify God's love? is by living it. In that scripture we read a minute ago in John 13, 34, verse 35 actually says that they will know you're my disciples because of your love for one another. In other words, if we're loving people the way we're supposed to, people are going to connect that we belong to God. Because it's a different kind of love than what they see. Than what we'll normally see. It's different. It's different. Anybody can love people when, you're, when they're treating you right. Anybody can love people when they're doing wonderful things for you. How do you love people when they let you down? How do you love people that are living a life that you don't agree with? Or let me say it this way. How can you, how, how, isn't it difficult sometimes to love people when they're living a life you know is wrong? You know how you love them? Through God's love. Because if God loves them, and we're supposed to be ambassadors of God and representatives of God, then I think the love of God in us should look the same as the love of God to us. Right? So then we can, we can express that. Look at John 15, 5. I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, this is, this is the Lord. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Because apart from me... You can do nothing. The reason I know it's going to take the Lord is because God will, God will never, ever speak something of that he wants us to do and not equip us to do it. So what he's saying with this is that it's going to require him. He's going to help us with it, but we have to make the decision to love people. 
We have to make this. We just have to make the decision that God, we're going to allow Your love to flow out of us to those people who frustrate us. Listen, would it be nice that we could actually say that we just get along with everybody? Listen, this might shock you. Seriously, this may shock you. There's some people in this world. Now, brace yourself. They don't like me. Can you believe that? And there's people in the world that probably don't like you. How do we handle those people? We love them. We love them. It's amazing what God can do if you'll just allow his love to flow through you. But you can't do it until you allow his love to flow in you. And you receive it and realize, man, I never realized how much God loves me. You have to be embraced by God before you can ever embrace others. And God loves you. I promise you, I want you to get that. I want you to get in your word and know God really, really loves you. I don't know if there's a refrigerator in heaven, but if there is, your picture and my picture is on it. I'm just telling you, he loves you. He loves you. He really, really loves you. Look at Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I threw that in there because there were times I say, listen, I, I, there's no way I'll be able to embrace that person after, after that. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We can do it. We can do it. I'm preparing you now. God's called us this. Why? Because he wants to send people who are hurting. And if we'll fulfill this, then you're going to see people hurting. And you're going to see restoration. I don't mind sharing this story because he shared it before he left. But when Cliff and Amy were leading worship, do you know when Cliff came here, he was hurt. Cliff and Amy, they were both hurt. They were going through some difficult stuff. They were done with ministry. They were done. I mean, they were struggling. And somehow the Lord brought them down in this basement of this old church that we were meeting at when we first started. This old basement, we're down in the basement. Here they come. No joy at all in their life. You know why God brought them to thrive? So they could be embraced. They could be loved on. Encouraged to get back at it. Allow the Lord to equip them. Today, they're in Alabama on staff at a church preparing in the next season to, to plant a church. You know what? It wasn't Thrive that did it. It was God. And God used us to play a part in it. But it's about embracing people. When they're hurt. And it's happened a lot. We've had people come in these doors and like, where's up? And we're like, you know what? We expect people to come in there hurting because God's going to send them because he knows we're going to embrace them where they are. There's some churches that may not do that. And there's some that do. It's not about good or bad churches. There's only one church anyway. We're all together. So we need to just allow the Lord to help us because we can do anything with him. Look at John 6, 28 and 29. <clears throat> Jesus had performed a lot of miracles, done a lot of stuff, and, and they're replying. They said to him, they said, hey, we want to perform God's work too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants, you, God wants from you. Listen, this is Jesus saying the only work God wants from you is this. Believe in the one he sent. If we will believe, and I mean completely, believe in God, 
in Jesus and his love for us, this other stuff will manifest. It's just like a result of that. It's not a striving. It's not a struggle. Will, it, will there be a struggle in our flesh? Yeah. But it all stems from our walk with God. That's where all this stuff comes from. All of it comes from our belief in God and trusting in him and in his word. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scriptures inspired by God is useful to teach what is true, make us realize what is wrong in our lives, corrects us when we're wrong, and teaches us to do what is right. Listen, the word will help you learn how to do what God's called you to do. When you're in the word, it'll teach you. It'll correct you if there's things in your life that aren't. It'll, it'll help shape you. It'll teach you things. It'll encourage you in things. It'll train you. It'll help you. If you're in the word and you're seeking God and you recognize his love for you, you will be able to embrace people the way God embraces you. It'll, it'll happen. But that's the only way that you can embrace people. If we go back to that story, remember when, the, when the, the son said to his father, the older brother said, you never did this for me. You never threw a party for me. Remember what his father said? He said, you know what? Everything I have is yours. You've always had this. So you know why he struggled to embrace? Because the older brother did not even realize how much his father loved him. He's sitting here thinking that, you know, you would never do that for me. You never do that for me. Actually, his father said, you know, it's been yours the whole time. You didn't even realize that you could have had a party anytime. You could have killed the calf anytime. What I, what, all I have is yours, son. That's not even a true statement to say I would never do that for you. But you know how many times we live our lives, we struggle to embrace because we still think. We still think that God's not, God's holding out on us. We think that God's not going to really bless us. God's not going to, he doesn't really care about us. He doesn't really love us. And we struggle because we've never experienced what it feels like to feel really loved the way you are. And that's why you struggle to love people the way they are. It's not because you're mean. It's not because you're bad. It's because you've never felt that feeling of being unconditionally loved. And when you do, and it only comes from God, when you do feel like, man, God, you love me in spite of all my stuff. We're all human. We all miss the mark. But when you realize, man, God still loves me. God still has a plan for me. God can turn my path back around. God can set me free. God can heal me. He can strengthen me. He can restore me in that mistake I made. Or he can do whatever to bring me back to this healthy place. And when you feel that for the first time, then you're going to understand that's what it means. Now I can love because I've received it. Now it can come out of me because I got it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah? It's, you got to receive it from him. The older brother was confused. He, he just... He missed it. He didn't realize how much his father loved. That's why. It wasn't about him being mean. Sometimes people paint the picture like, oh, he's so, that brother was so selfish. So, yeah, maybe it came out that way, but it was because he didn't know the father's love. He never really experienced what that love felt like. So he didn't know how to extend it. And that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to get it between me and God, you and God, and then it flows out of you. Right? All right. Now, what does it look like? What does it look like when we're embracing people? Obviously, it's going to come from the Lord. But here's what it's going to look like. We're going to love people. We're going to love all people. 
doesn't matter what their lifestyle is, doesn't matter what color they are, doesn't matter how tall or skinny, whether they're beautiful, whether they're beautiful, because everybody's beautiful. See, you thought I was going somewhere else, didn't you? Uh, but if they're, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where they are um, socially. Doesn't matter if they're rich. Doesn't matter if they're poor. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much money they have. Doesn't matter what they drive. We love all people because God loves all people. God so loved the world. If they show up here in your life, they're part of the world. And God loves them, and we need to love them with the love of God. I look at 1 Corinthians 13, very familiar. Here's what love is. This is God's love. It's patient. It's kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud. It's not rude. See that right there? We could talk about that. You know? Listen, do not be rude. Please do not be rude. It's a bad testimony. It really is. Just, just listen, if you've got to wait an extra minute and a half in the drive-thru, relax. Put on a little worship music. Sing your little heart out. Wouldn't it be nice if you roll up there after being, having to wait for five minutes? You're just like, Jesus, how you doing? People are going to freak out. They might even give you a free coffee just for being extra nice. It doesn't demand its own way. It's not irritable, keeps no record of being wrong, does not rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices when the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Listen, think about that. Someone comes in here or in your life, and they're not living exactly the way they should. Love never gives up on them. Love keeps loving them, and love keeps loving them, believing that one day, one day, it's going to happen. They're going to realize how much God loves them. They're going to realize how fulfilling God's love is, and it's going to change their lifestyle. It's going to change their life. It's going to change the way they talk, the way they walk, the way they live. Just finding out about how much God loves you. Never loses faith. It's always hopeful. You know what hopeful means? Just take the last part, put it in the front. Full of hope, Right? Endures through every circumstance. Prophecy speaking in unknown languages, special knowledge will become useless. But love will last forever. Forever. We'll, we'll be able to love all people. Now, how will this happen? It comes from God. Again, don't walk out here saying, okay, i got to be patient with people. i got to. No, you know what? Go out here saying, i got to realize how much God loves me. Because let me tell you something. God is patient with you. And we love that feeling. I love that God is patient with me. I love that God is not rude with me. God's not irritable with me. God doesn't keep record of all my wrongs. God's not selfish. God thinks about me. And he helps me. And he encourages me and he's kind to me. That's the love that God shows us. To all people. Second thing, this is what will happen if you let God's love flow from your life. You're going to find that you'll realize your need to be embraced too. You realize what God's doing in you, you're going to think, you know what? I can't 
not embrace when I understand how much I need it too. Look at the scripture in Matthew 7. Do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. You know, sometimes if you realize how much you need to be embraced, it'll help you as you try to embrace others. It'll help you. Sometimes we're so quick. There's another passage. Look at Matthew 7. I think I have it up there, 1 through 5. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you'll be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the same standard by which you'll be judged. So why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye. Then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. You know what? This passage to me, it's a little like, like, like straight up, like hypocrite. But you know what he's, you know what the word's trying to help us realize? There's nothing wrong. He says once you deal with that, you can still help others. So what he's saying is not that who you're, what you're seeing isn't really there. Would we like to see something change? Would we like to see someone, you know, grow in an area that they need to grow in? Yes. But we have to realize that we got to start with us. We got to start with us. It's easy to look at somebody who comes in with something that is outward. Oh, you can see what's going on with them. But you know how many stuff we have in here? Struggles that people have? And, and every struggle, every sin is still a sin. Every time you miss it, it's, there's nothing different than missing this and then missing it there. The bottom line is we have stuff. People have stuff. We all have stuff. We're not perfect. They're not going to be perfect. But we have to realize, listen, what, what, if we were having a, you know, what if we were having a discussion about fear? How would, you want to be, how would you want to be treated when you're struggling with fear? Would you want someone to say, Pastor, listen, Pastor, I just, man, I just really am bound by fear. I've really been worried about this particular situation. I'm really scared. I can't sleep. Well, stop it, man. What are you fearing? That's not godly. That's not going to help anybody. But you know what? Other people's lifestyle that we don't agree with, well, that's, how we'll talk, that's how we'll deal with that stuff. I can't believe you. That is so wrong. Well, so is that. It doesn't matter what it is. We got to get past what it is and look at what, is, what do we need. We need to be embraced. We need to be loved. We need to know how much God loves us. When we know that, we're going to love other people and say, listen, this fear, I understand. There's times I've struggled with it too. But you know what? The Bible says that God is love. And if we'll allow his love in us to grow, and to grow more perfect, perfect love will cast out fear. It'll cast out fear. But I understand. I understand your fear. I understand that that comes. That that's there. And we encourage one another. But we first embrace one another to understand. Yeah, it's real. I understand that. Then we can encourage when we connect with them on a way where they they feel valued. They feel like they're not less than. Because they're struggling. You're not less than if you, if you struggle. You're human. And if you understand God's love, that's going to be what catapults you through those challenges you face. But you've got to know God's love for you. It really is, and it sounds cliche at church, but it really is all about God and not about you. God will do the work in you. 
then we need to look past the stuff and we need to see the person. You know, this is something that we, we have to just realize. Look at John chapter 8. I'm going to read this story to you real quick. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, he was back, against, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered, and he sat down, and he was taught them. As he was speaking, the teacher of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says stone her. So what do you say? They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, but Jesus stooped down, wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer, so he stood up again and said, All right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said, Woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Y'all, I don't know if you really get the, the depth of that story. Legally, by law, they were to stone her. And Jesus went against all of what everyone else would thought was the norm and what should happen. And he said, that's not how we're going to do it. And even though they tried to trap him, he just said, listen, if, if any of you don't have any issues, then by all means. You know why everybody dropped the rocks? Because we all have it. We all have stuff. I was praying this week, and the Lord just kind of put this on my heart. And I said something in our men's Bible study. Um, and I don't... And in, in any way, I'm not saying anything bad about you, the church, or how you were raised. But um, I need some volunteers. John, you come up. You, Matt, you want to come up? Matt, come on up. Each grab one of those in there and just line up right here across. There you go. All right. I grab a little one because I got to preach still. Um, you know what? I was I was thinking about something, and this phrase came to me that sometimes believers, I don't think it's intentional. Okay, I don't think it was anything intentional, but we've been raised with rocks. I was reading that passage, and I was like, Lord, that's hard not to do that. Have I ever pelted someone? No. But in my mind, do I judge people quick? I do. It's natural. It rises up. And as believers, this is what the world sees. Want to come to our church? Huh? You want to come? You want to come meet Jesus? I'll introduce you to him, and then you're going to meet him, sinner. And it's not that harsh. We're not saying it that bad. But listen, does, does this look like a place you want to go? Does this like people you want to pour your heart to? Does this like people you want to come confess something that you know is wrong? No. Why? Because we're, we've been raised, not everybody, but the church sometimes we're so quick to just, bam! Can't believe you struggle with that. 
Can't believe you have insecurity. Can't believe you have fear. Can't believe you, you struggle. Can't believe you have this situation in your life. Can't believe you struggle. Can't believe your, your family's going through something. So quick to just hold these. And this is, look, this is what the world sees. This is what the world sees. And we wonder why they're not flocking in the doors of the church. Because in here, oh, we're not going to hit each other. Let's wait on those other people. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were, they were looking at them, and here's what Jesus said. He said, wait, wait, wait. If you're going to have that standard, if you're going to have that standard that someone messes up and you have the right to just go after them, then we're going to have the same standard with you. And if you don't have any sin, then you throw the first one. And you know what happened? just realized I was close to my foot. <laughs> you know what happened? They dropped them. Why? Because all of a sudden they realized, whoa, I don't want to be in that situation. I want people to love me when my, when, in my situation, in my faults, in my struggles. But think about it for a minute. Hold those out in front of you. I don't know why. <laughs> That's sad. That's what the world sees. Guys ready to belt them. Guys ready to throw rocks because someone's struggling. Because someone can't find their way. And we're going to look at somebody who struggles with their identity. We're going to look at somebody who struggles with, 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 with whatever. So what do we do? You know this law, this whole transgender thing going in Charlotte. What happens if someone comes in here and says they are? What do we do? We better not do this. What if someone comes in here and they're gay? What do we do? We better not do this. And I know I'm being strong, but as a pastor of this church, I am called by God to make sure that we deliver on this. And if you can't do that, then listen, allow the love of God to flow in your heart because he can do it. But this makes me mad. This, this hurts me to think that people are afraid of us. They can't be real. They can't acknowledge pain. They can't acknowledge that, they, that they're living a life that they can't get out of. Because we got rocks in our hands, y'all. It's time to drop the rocks. It's time to put them down. And it's time to open our arms to these people who are hurting. And to say, listen, it ain't about what we believe right now except the fact that we know God loves you. It ain't about where you're at, but it's about where you're going to be. But we got to love you here in order for you to even let us help you get there. I'm done with this. I'm done with this. And I'm asking you to be done with it. You can put the rocks down. Listen, we have to, it's going to take a, it's going to take a, it's going to take God, y'all. Because God did not teach us that. We learn that. We learn that. We learn to look at things that aren't right 
And as much as they break our heart to see people living something that's not right or doing something that's not right, we still have to look past it and say, listen, there's people, thank you, there's people that are hurting. And I know people who have struggled in a lot of different ways. And listen, part of it, because they never understood what love looks like. They never understood. And they're just searching and searching for something to give them some kind of fulfillment, some kind of value. And if they find it in the wrong thing, if they have a little glimpse of value, it's no wonder they're there. But if we can help them see the value that God has for them, that's so much more valuable, so much feels so much better. I'm telling you, people will change. You changed. We're still changing. All of us are changing. We should continue to grow and grow and grow. We need to be a safe place. We need to be a safe place for people. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it talks about casting our cares on the Lord. Do you know when we cast our cares on the Lord, he's not getting angry with us? God, I'm struggling with this. I just give this to you, Lord. I'm having a hard time. I just, no, 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 that's your stuff. God wants us to be so healthy that God can use us to help other people. God can use us to be a safe place. Look at this last scripture in James, and then we'll close. Ushers, you guys can get ready. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let me ask you a question. Don't raise your hand. Just think about it. When's the last time you confessed a sin to somebody else? Do you know why? Because we all got rocks. Or we at least feel like people have rocks. That, that, that saying, listen, I want you to get to a place where you're so healthy, you can actually be honest and real with somebody about this is where I'm at. And they're not going to judge you. They're not going to put you down. They're not going to shun you away. You know what they're going to do? They're going to one to another, which means each other. They're going to say, you know what? Man, I struggle with some of that stuff too. And then you pray. I'll never forget. I had a guy call me one time struggling with some health issues and has been for years and years and years. Major health issues. And he's heard people you know, speak to him. He's heard people pray. He's quoted scriptures. He has confessions. He does all this stuff, and nothing's been changing. And he called me one day, and he called me on the phone, and I answered the phone, and he said, hey, I'm done. I'm done. I've, I've said every scripture. I've listened to every tape. I've done everything I could do. I've prayed. I've had other people pray for me. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this, and I've seen nothing. I still am hurting. I'm still in pain. I'm still struggling. Nothing's working for me. I'm tired of everybody telling me to just keep your head up and stand in faith and do this and do that. Even though nothing's wrong with encouraging people to stay strong. But at the same time, sometimes our encouraging isn't encouraging. And they're saying all this stuff. And he tells me on the phone, he goes, I'm done, man. I just can't do it anymore. This stuff, I don't even know if it's real. And the Spirit of God checked me at that moment. 
and changed my response. And here's what I told him. I said, can I tell you something, man? Sometimes I have those same feelings. I've prayed for my son. I've spoke the word over my son. I've had other people pray for my son. I've done everything to believe for complete, complete miraculous manifestation in his body. I know how you feel. I struggle with it sometimes too. It got, just like it is right now, it got so quiet on the phone. And all of a sudden, I just let it, I just let it sit for a minute. And then he said, you know what, man? I know it's real. It's just tough, ain't it? I said, it is. But you know what, man? This is when we just got to trust. Man, let's just pray. I don't have an answer for you. Let's just pray. We need God's strength right now. And we prayed. And I'm telling you, we were both solid when we finished praying. But you know what sometimes we do as Christians is we, maybe they're, maybe they're not as big rocks, but they're little rocks that we, we make people now, they're already struggling, now we condemn them because we don't think they have enough faith and they're not doing this and they're not. Listen, there's places in Scripture where someone else's faith was why someone got healed. So before you judge someone's level of faith, you can also say, hey, there was, there was times where Jesus said it was your faith that he told the four guys that lowered this, the man down through the roof, he recognized their faith. Lazarus didn't have any faith. He was dead. He rose from the dead. Why? Because Jesus had it. So see, your faith can help too. It's not just judging other people's. But there was something that happened when I didn't make him feel bad and condemn him for having normal feelings of, man, I just wish I could see it. He was just hurting. And when I recognized that, guess what? I do that sometimes too. It brought us both to a place of, of understanding, but also to a place where it helped us. And we prayed and we actually saw this come together that you pray for each other so you may be healed. And he, get, he gets off the phone. He's like, you know, I'm back on, man. I know God's got this. I'm not giving up. I'm not, I'm not letting go. I'm staying the course. God's doing amazing things. He'll continue. But see, this, this, this can happen if we don't have a heart that's embracing towards people where they're at. If someone comes to you and they share something with you that you know is not right or doesn't measure up to the word or whatever, don't be so quick to just try to fix it right there. Identify with where they are. And then help them. Help them begin to see that, you know what, that may be yours. I have my own struggle. This is where we just need the Lord. And we just kind of help walk them to a place of the rest of this vision. Of encouraging, equipping, and empowering. But we got to be able to talk to each other about our struggles. I just want to take the pressure off of you. This will never be a perfect church. So if you're not perfect, it's okay. It's okay. If you struggle, it's okay. Because the good news is if we do what this is, what God's called us to do, guess what? If you're hurting, what are you going to get when you show up here? You're going to get embraced. And if you're doing fine, then what are you going to do when people show up here? You're going to embrace them. You're going to embrace them. 